This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to the local angle on FanDuel TV. I'm Sheila Kapadia with Ben Solak from the Ringers. Philly special, we are going to break down the Eagles thrilling 28-23 win over the Cowboys. Then we'll have the rest of the crew join us off the pike. Brian Barrett and James White will talk about that Patriots loss to the Commanders. Then it'll be Jason Goff from the full go on the Bears loss to the Saints. And finally, John Jastrzemski, JJ, on that embarrassing Giants loss to the Raiders and a Jets A lot Chargers. of losses on the local angle this week. Not here. Elsewhere. Not here, though. Not here. A- everywhere else. Yeah, and, and, and JJ will preview Jets Chargers. We're, yeah, we're the only podcast with a winning team. So, like, what a win it was. Eagles over a, a classic. I, mean, I think it's a classic. I would have to go back and rank so all my good. all-time Eagles-Cowboys games. I think in recent memory, uh, this one had it all. My first question how did the Eagles win this football game? And how, how did that fourth quarter last like seven hours? I was real positive they were losing it. I was positive several times. <laughs> Once they had the opportunity to salt the game away, we've talked about it a lot on this show, Shield. Six and a half minutes left. Got a five-point lead. Eagles are going to get the football. Snap every ball with two seconds left on the play clock. Four-yard run, five-yard run, four-yard run. Walk this thing down the field. Ended up taking knees on the seven-yard line, taking it home by five. I Like, we... We have lauded that ability to do this all season. First and 10, good stop by the Cowboys defense. Second and eight, good stop by the Cowboys defense. Third and five. It's a little awkward here if you want to run the football. You got to make sure you get at least four yards, at least five really, then four, maybe a sneak it deep in your own end. Ah, it's tough. What's going to happen? They go for the one-on-one shot to A.J. Brown and just Hurts, who have been really accurate in this game, have been really accurate throwing to Brown all, all, all season. Misses him. Not even a chance on that one. And they got to punt that ball away. The second the Eagles failed to do the sit on your drive, the salt away drive, I knew they were losing this game. And boy, sure did they try. There were so many instances in this fourth quarter where you were like, that's a sign. That's it. It's a, I mean, the, the fumble to Deion, where they're running A.J. Brown in motion, and they hand the football off to DeAndre Swift, and he fumbles there. Uh, so we will get to all of that, certainly, on the Ringers Philly special. But Solak, let's start with our uh, big picture thoughts here. My big picture thought is, 
they found a way. As cliched as it sounds, listen, they, this, is a, this is a coin flip game. I think you play this game 10 times, you're probably winning at five, you're losing at five. It was that type of game. The Cowboys played very well. Dak Prescott, I, I thought was fantastic for the most part uh, in this game. Eagles come away with the five-point win. We know those one-possession games, you add them up at the end of the year, they can go either way. But here are the facts. The, the win-loss record for your Philadelphia Eagles, Ben, Eight and one. They have a three-game lead now in the win column over the Dallas Cowboys with eight games to play. Eagles get their bye uh, next week. This is a great place to be. The Lions have two losses. Every other team in the NFC has at least three losses. So uh, there's a long way to go. The schedule is still tough. The Bills, the Chiefs, the Cowboys again, the 49ers, the Seahawks. We know this was just the start of, a, of the gauntlet part of the schedule for the Eagles. But at 8-1, and one, they've got a little cushion here where if they blow one or two of these games, they might still be able to withstand it and still get that one seed in the NFC. So that's kind of my zoom out. We'll get into all the details, but my big picture thought on what this win meant for the Eagles. The Eagles have a two and a half game lead in the division they've not lost a game in the division they've beaten the commanders twice both of games that yeah. were, were tight games and they beat the cowboys in a tight game i mean the eagles win football games more successfully than any other team in the league does over the last two seasons and and sometimes deservedly sometimes undeservedly you know sometimes with luck sometimes in this way sometimes in that way but man does this team find a way to to to, to win the game late uh we i remember you and i january man february last year being like geez been doing a lot of pods, talking a lot of weeks, loving this Eagles playoff run, but this is a lot of extra work. Shit, we got to start getting ready for some extra work this season. I mean, this team is so good at winning football games. Incredible for the fact that it's a young coach and it's a young quarterback. The testament to their veteran presence that they've got. Uh, but even with the coordinator changes this year, we've now gone through half of the season. This team feels so similar to the team last season in its ability to win a game late. Ugly, pretty, deserved, undeserved, what have you. They win it. It's really the perfect uh, type of win, as we've said many times this year, for both Eagles fans and Eagles coaches. Because guess what? You get to mark down win. Uh, you get to yell at your friends who root for other teams and make fun of them for having more than one loss. At the same time, you get Imagine to be angry losing. at your own team. Imagine losing a game. Like how could? Why would you do that? Walk me through the strategy there. I personally don't get it. As you pointed out last week, it's wild that they're 8-1 and one and their one loss is to Zach Wilson. That's still, you're going to have to remind me of that every podcast uh, that we do because I, I really uh, can't believe it here. So uh, yeah, you still get to be angry at the team. You still get to yell at them for the dumb stuff that they did in this game. And there was plenty of that that, uh, again, we'll get to. But in the end, they're 8-1. and one. So that's one uh, big picture thought. Another one I had, Ben, is that they need this by very very, 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 very badly when you look at kind of the state of their key players in this game. And we're recording this uh, right after the game finished. But J what were you thinking? End of the first half, Demarcus Lawrence hits Jalen Hurts slow in that knee. It's got that awkward looking like, Ooh, that does not look like a pleasant hit. Jalen Hurts stays down, which if you've watched Jalen Hurts since he started, it was starting quarterback for the Eagles, the guy doesn't stay down. I mean, he, he has had injuries and he doesn't stay down. That time he stayed down for a second before jogging off the field. Then they bring him back in. He hands the ball off uh, and then he goes in to halftime. Were you thinking bad thoughts uh, when that hit happened? Or did you think, I think he's okay? What, what were you feeling at the time? I thought he was okay because just watching the play, it seemed like he got hit on his on a knee that we know like they, they've said like has like a bruise but they won't put him on the injury report but we've seen him limp so i think he got hit on his bad leg and i think that that really hurt and i think it was nice that they had the halftime locker room to go into i don't know if he necessarily like 
you know, if, if they would have had to immediately go on another drive or have to continue a drive, what he would have looked like. We go in the half some locker room, get a little treatment, a little, little help, a little doc, doctoral assistance. You treatment, don't feel, yeah, you don't, who you, knows You don't what feel that, that leg as much as you used to, <laughs> and then you keep it chugging, right? I mean, they walk out in the second half, and they call an option, man. I mean, they, they he, he pulls and he runs it, right? They wanted to show very quickly, very early, we're not worried about using him and using his legs. We feel like he, he's capable. Absolutely, they need the buy. Uh, in, in part for Hurts, in part for just how nicked up they're getting in general. Like in the secondary, they've been dealing with injuries. Uh, I like Boston Scott's not available for this game. They've had offensive line, a little bit carousel on the right side a little bit. So like the buys is going to help overall. Hurts, I don't expect to be 100% this season until I see him be 100%. But like e- even in the first half before he got hit in that leg, he had a, a run to the right side where he got chased down uh, by by a Cowboys defensive lineman, forces a fourth and short. They sneak it, they get it, who cares? But he wasn't getting chased down on those last year. So I don't expect him to be healthy until I see that over multiple weeks. Maybe that'll come after the bye. I don't expect it, though. I, I think that's right. I think the way to look at this is they don't play again until uh, Monday night football in week 11. So Hertz does get some time off here for treatment, for recovery. We don't know the exact details of the injury other than they called it a bone bruise. And so we don't know what it takes for this thing to recover. But there's no doubt he's not the same guy physically. By the way, that shows up in a big way uh, in the run game. They're not the same team running the football that they were, that they are when Jalen Hurts is healthy. Now, whether that means they go into the bye and they say, hey, let's change some things up schematically because we know this is the case now. Uh, who knows? But I will say this about Hurts. Ben, and, and we talk about the intangibles with him all the time. We're like, it's weird because all the weird, like cliche intangible stuff, it actually applies to Jalen Hurts. He gets hit there, end of the first half. They come out in the second half, put together a terrific drive where he just drops a dime to Devontae Smith on the left side on that go ball for a 29-yard touchdown. I'm just like, this is what the guy does over and over and over again. Like, and you kind of take some of it for granted. At times, again, they had issues offensively down the stretch, but for him to come out after taking that hit, whatever they did at halftime, and then he comes out and they just go right down the field to kind of take control at the uh, the game. Remember, they were losing. Uh, they were losing the game at that time. They're down 17-14. That was a key drive, and he makes the huge throw uh, to Devonte Smith right there. That's just like another example. If we're writing our like, here are moments of Jalen Hurts you shouldn't take for granted early in his career. Uh, I'm putting that one on there. Yeah, it's it's that throw that he hit to Smith was it was such a good reminder of like, ah, right. And also elite quarterback. Right. And and also, like, sometimes he makes throws that nobody else makes. It's a perfect ball. Pitch perfect. Yeah. Can't put it in a better spot. 40 yards down the field. Fred chef kiss. Gorgeous. Uh, he's unbelievable. The Eagles are so unbelievably mistake free in general. Right. Including like penalties wise. They're one of the lowest penalized teams in the league. This is another big game in which like they are getting away with penalties that the other guys aren't. It's like, it's, it's easy thing to say when your team is a low penalized team, but getting away from getting away with penalties is a sign of good coaching. The Eagles are very good at holding on the offensive line. They do it all the time. and They never get called that. They, that's been true for a lot of years now at this point, right? So they're a well-coached team. Uh, they're, they're a high execution team. And then every so often their quarterback makes a play that saves them out, out of a sticky spot. And that being an example of like, they weren't in a bad spot necessarily, which is there's not that many guys in the league who throw that ball that well. And Hertz is one of them. His ability on the nine ball specifically, like to the outside sideline, it's critical because you load the box and you get safeties low and you're taking away the run, you're taking away the slants and everything. You have to be able to punish that defense somehow. You punish it with the nine ball. And Hertz does it again and again and again.
Yeah, he was uh, he was just very efficient in this game. Seventeen for twenty three, two hundred seven yards, two touchdown, two touchdowns, no interceptions against. By the way, a very very good defense. Like that is a top five defense that the Cowboys have, uh, and the Eagles still find a way to put up twenty eight points, four touchdowns in this game. Again, they couldn't put the game away down the stretch, but for a lot of this game, I was thinking, man, this is a very efficient, uh, good game plan for the Eagles here. Some of the other reasons I said Ben that they need to buy Dallas Goddard leaves the game in the second half yeah, there uh, he did he did not come back so we'll see what his status is Devonte smith was limping on the sideline at one point I, I don't know he kept playing so we'll see there the last drive Dar- james bradbury and darius Slay, i think our consecutive plays leave the football game and then they come back in the, fo- <laughs> in the football game uh in the red zone that was just a wild fine that that final drive let, let, let's finish uh the FanDuel tv segment with this what are you thinking there on that final driver, Bradbury has the DPI. Uh, Hassan Reddick has the roughing the passer. Sidney Brown is on CeeDee Lamb one-on-one. Not ideal. Or I mean, what were the bad thoughts going through your head at that point? First and goal from the six the Cowboys had with 24 <laughs> seconds left. That's, there's no timeouts. That should be ball game every single time. And this was, they got first and six, it, it was first and goal, it was first and five from the six, because they would gotten the, the, the offsides from Jalen Carter. This should be so unequivocally ball game. And the Cowboys go back five yards on a false start, and then the Eagles get the sack from, from Josh Sweat. The Eagles pass rush late in these games, man. Just like someone on the sideline flicks a switch and all of their brains just start firing. Like, they're, they're, they're all just kept dormant for 55 minutes, right? Just like... Oh, get after the passer. Oh, Hassan Reddick on block sack. Nice play, whatever. Great. Oh, good little rotation. Oh, Derek Barnett snap. And then, like, the clock hits five minutes in the fourth quarter, and they're like, okay, please win now. And just everybody starts eating. Unbelievable how well this pass rush turned on there late. Bullying Terrence Steele, the right tackle. That's the weak link. Josh Sweat with a huge win off that side. Gets the big sack, and then the, the clock is running. The Cowboys can't stop it. They don't have a timeout. Okay, they're going to spike it. They're going to spike it. They're going to spike it. They decide to throw it. Weird. They decide to throw it to Jalen Tolbert weirder stop throwing to him why are you doing this and then they get that massive third and goal they have a, a delay of game and and they throw short of the sticks the eagles defensively were not in a position to win that game the cowboys offensively as captained by mike mccarthy were also not in a position to win that game and they were even more poorly positioned to win that game against a lot of nfl offenses the eagles are walking out losers but there is just nobody in the league who's better at fumbling a late game situation than McCarthy is. That was uh, to me largely on the Cowboys, not so much on the Eagles' success. Besides that one, Josh Sweat repping. That's what you need from your pass rush. Thanks to those of you watching on FanDuel TV. Remember, you can listen to the Philly Special Ringers Philly Special on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Now let's go to the off the pike crew, Brian Barrett and James White. They'll talk about that ugly Patriots loss to the Washington Command. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, 
tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I'm Brian Barrett from Off the Pike, and joining us now, as he does after every Patriots game, it is three-time Super Bowl champ, James White. Well, James, another game for the Patriots, another disappointing loss, another final drive that comes up short. It ends up at a turnover for this Patriots team, and it just felt like today the biggest thing is just too many mistakes. The offense couldn't get going. The defense couldn't get off the field on third down. They were 9 of 17 on third down. Sam Howell's running for 23 yards through guys out there looking like a running back. So that, to me, was one of the biggest issues they had defensively. But offensively, they they never really felt right in this game at any point. They had the nice drive after the turnover. But other than that, they just couldn't string possessions together. And I don't know if you felt this, James. I don't understand why Jalen Rager's out there. Okay, this guy had (laughs) one catch on six targets. That's 1.8 yards per target. Philly said he stinks. They didn't want him. Minnesota said he stinks. They didn't want him. Then you're playing Tyquan Thornton, who had, what, one catch on four targets, seven yards, so 1.8 yards per target. He wasn't good. And this team, the reality is we all know they're not going to the playoffs. They're not very good right now. And you have Kayshawn Booty, who Bill said earlier in this week, he may be, he had his best week of practice. Why don't you just play the young guys? To me, at this point, I don't want to see Rager. Everybody that's watched the NFL knows that Rager is not good. I don't want to see Tyquan Thornton right now. He's been disappointing. How about this, James? You realize George Pickens, who went two picks after Tyquan Thornton, he has over a thousand more yards than Tyquan Thornton. These guys have been in the league for a year and a half, and he has a thousand more yards in him. So at least Kayshawn Booty, there's hope. I need to be entertained at this point, James, watching the Patriots. Get Kayshawn Booty out there. I don't need to see Rager. He he dropped the best ball Mac threw all day. Yeah, it was tough, man. Uh, I don't really understand why he was out there, why... Juju's not out there more consistently. I'm very confused at that whole situation. Why Rager's starting and Juju's just over there watching. And then the, the final drive, Juju's, you know, making catches. I know he had the drop at the end, but the receiver rotation's been all over the place. It was when I was watching the game early on, I was like, okay, they're just gonna roll with, you know, some of the younger guys, see what they're all about. You know, Devontae inactive, Juju, you know, he's been whatever, hurt, inactive some weeks. So I just thought they're trying to evaluate the young guys. I know Rager got there a few weeks ago. I know he has the speed, but it just hasn't shown up in game on any team that he's played on. And maybe they're just trying to see what they could possibly get out of him. And he hasn't done much these last few weeks. I know he had like one slant or something a few weeks ago. But other than that, there's been decoy Leroy out there. He's just out there running around. <laughs> so, 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 but yes, yeah, the offense was... It was real lethargic, especially early on. When they when they went up 10-0, it just looked like they were about to get routed. Then Tavai had the strip sack, and then things started to get going a little bit. They had a good drive, good ball to Hunter, but it's just more of the same. You know, had a few big plays. Ramondre had his big run. That, so that was his best run all year, but it was it was good to see that from him. And they finally started getting him going in the passing game, too. He was getting the isolation on, you know, on linebackers. He made some big plays there. So some more of that will definitely be helpful with the injuries at the receiver position. Well, yeah, and the thing to me about Ramondre, because I tweeted out during the game, 2022 Ramondre has shown up. Like, he looked outstanding right off the bat in this game. 
And then I look up and there's four, th- I wrote this down, four minutes and 39 seconds left in the third quarter. Ramondre has six carries at that point and one reception, okay? And then on that third and three, Zeke's out on the field and not Ramondre Stevenson. And we know, I'm not saying that Ramondre is you or Danny Woodhead or Shane Vereen as a pass catching back, but he's better than Zeke. And I think he proved that last year. He's got pretty good hands. So my whole thing is he has nine carries for 87 yards. I know a lot came on the big play, but that's because he's Ramondre. Ramondre can (laughs) take it to the house, right? Like Zeke doesn't have that. So he looked totally engaged, not to say that he hasn't been engaged previously, but he was on one today. I felt like he was outstanding. So why in this game is he getting, what, nine carries for the game and Zeke's getting seven? I don't understand why they have to, when he's playing well, just ride the hot hand. I don't understand why they're alternating snaps with him and Zeke. Zeke is not part of the next great Patriots team, however far away that is. He's certainly not, right? I mean, he's going to be on a different team next year. You might as well at least let Ramondre get more touches. I don't understand this. He was by far, unequivocally, the best offensive player for the Patriots last year. And look, some of it himself, he has slipped naturally. We've seen it. He hasn't been the same guy. But today, he looked like the best version of himself. I don't understand why they don't keep feeding him. The other thing is, with Bill O'Brien, I get speeding it up a little bit, the tempo, but they're under 23 minutes in terms of their time of possession today. It felt like everything was too fast. And the Patriots were not executing that way anyway. So at what point do you realize... Hey, you know what, Bill? This isn't working. Why don't you stop trying to play with all this tempo because it's not working? You know what you should do? It's it's it was basically the game was close the entire game. It, no team, no none of the not one side got away from the other. You know what you should do? Give the ball to Ramondre Stevenson. That's what you should do, and they refused to do it. I don't understand it. Yeah, Ramondre was his best game today. He was involved in run game, pass game. You saw the explosiveness. You saw him making guys miss. Yeah, when he's in a groove like that, they have to feed him, especially with the injuries at the receiver position, you know, receivers struggling to create separation, whatever it is, the you know, the pass game just being really off target. You know, ride that guy. He's he can be that. When he's when he's going, he's a guy who could give, you know, 20, 25, 30 touches a game. And he can, you know, help that offense take some pressure off Mac, take some pressure off the offensive line. I believe early on in the year. You know, I think he lost a lot of confidence because the offensive line wasn't creating, you know, holes for him. And it's hard as a running back. You can't you can't do much if your offensive line isn't blocking. So I feel like he probably lost some of that confidence, that wiggle to be able to break tackles when he did get those one-on-one situations with linebackers and secondary defenders. But now, these past couple of weeks, he's been getting in more of a groove. Today, you can see it early on in the game. They got him involved in the passing game. Then he broke off the run. So, I mean, when he's playing like that, I understand, like you said, the rotation between him and Zeke. but when he's when he's in a zone, you got to feed that type of guy, especially when your offense is you know trying to find anything to get a spark. But guys, I say when on isolation routes against linebackers consistently, the creates a big run. That guy should be the feature guy probably for the rest of the game. But it's I said it's probably hard for you know, Bill O'Brien. He's just trying to figure out any type of way to you know get some some life into this offense. But what I did like what I saw from Mac after those first couple possessions, he. He was yelling. He was he's trying to like like wake the up and all that stuff, which we haven't seen that, you know, all year long. It's probably kind of late for that right now. And I'm sure he didn't want to do that earlier on in the year because he had the turnovers and he wasn't performing well. So it's kind of hard to want to say that and everybody looking at you like, like, what do you mean? Let's wake up. You you see how you're going out there performing. But I, I love seeing that from him and the people start to kind of wake up after that. I mean, then <laughs> kind of the fire, the flame went out. A little bit shortly after that, they didn't do too much in the second half. But 
it's it's tough. I thought the defense thought they did a decent job of that. I mean, Sam Howell, they couldn't get off the field on third down. That was that was the key thing. They created a lot of third and long situations. It was Sam Howell scrambling or it was Jahan Dotson getting free or Terry McLaurin, which that's a tough matchup for you know any DB across the league. Yeah, they they won in situational football for the most part, aside from you know before halftime when Sam Howell threw that. I don't know why in the world he threw that pass. Oh. I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what he was looking at, but that that was a big play by Duggar. And then obviously, you know, kind of a handoff in that, in that situation. Yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. It was just basically <laughs> like a sprint out to his right. Nobody was open. There was three yeah, Patriots in, in the end zone. I had no idea what he was thinking. I do give that guy credit though. He's like not phased at all. He's yeah, got he. he's got a good arm too. Like he's got a strong arm. He can really sling it in. I give him credit, man. He just bounces back. Like that was that interception was brutal. And yeah. going back to your point about Ramondre, I think about it too. Like, okay, you willingly decided not to give him the football, right, and not play him significantly more than Zeke. And I think to like, say this is Joe Mazzula and the Celtics playing the Nets on Saturday night. And, like, Cam Thomas kept getting switched on Tatum, and Tatum just abused him, right? Like, Cam Thomas, he, he's a DH. He doesn't play defense anyway. But you got a guy that's, you know, 6'9", trying to, you got, you're trying to cover 6'9", Jason Tatum. Be like if Joe is like, hey, you know what? I think we should get Pritchard some touches here. No, it's like, okay, we're going to keep playing through the yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm not... <laughs> I'm not comparing Pritchard to Zeke. I mean, that sounds crazy. Zeke's like a great running back for a number of years. But you get my point. It's like, hey, if something's working, just keep using what is working. And the Patriots willingly went away from that. The other thing I'll say just in terms of Washington, I do think it's slightly embarrassing for the Patriots that this team was, I don't want to say tanking because I do think the Montez sweat trade, I was talking about this the other day with Joe House, who was on my podcast. The sweat trade was kind of like, well, we're getting a second. Like, we kind of have to do that. That's a lot when we're rebuilding <laughs> yeah, franchise. And we already yeah. have, yeah, we already have Jonathan Allen signed long-term. We have Deron Payne signed long-term. So can we even pay him anyway? And then the Chase Young thing, it just didn't really work out there. But they willingly traded away two pretty good defensive yeah. players. In the case of Sweat, like a really good defensive player. And the Patriots lost to that team. And they couldn't move the ball consistently against that team. I do wonder if, like, that sort of puts salt in the wound even more. Like, obviously, you're mad, you're 2-7 and seven to begin with, but the fact that at least the perception, even if it isn't true, like the details I just gave out about Washington, the perception is they tanked and the Patriots lost to that team. I thought Washington would trade one of those guys. I didn't think they would trade both of them, but for them, you capitalize, get some draft picks for both of those guys, when in reality, they probably wouldn't sign either one of them in free agency. Though, so smart move by them, They go, and then they go out here, and won a football game against a struggling football team. I I left impressed with, you know, Sam Howell. Like I said, he had the interception, but he stays cool, calm, collected. Like, he was decisive. He, th- he was throwing the ball accurate. You know, he was under duress sometimes. I know we didn't get any sacks today. I think that's a, a miss, missing Judon more and more every week. I mean, guys were yeah. – some plays that were trying to create pressure on him, but just couldn't quite get – well, Dietrich Wise didn't have the sack. I, I did say that. He, him and Duggar were there on that one sack, but – just the pressure just wasn't there. He was through the ball like 43 times. He wasn't under duress. He was cool calling and collecting. I think you got to give the enemy a lot of credit with the development of him. I think he definitely has a bright future in this league if he can keep that up. And also the cornerback, Emmanuel Forbes, no, none of our young <laughs> receivers could get anywhere away from him. He was he was all over those dudes. Taekwon couldn't separate from him. Rager couldn't separate from him on a bunch of third downs. 
Yeah, it was it was a hard day for that for that receiving core, but it was good to see it was good to see Juju kind of step in there at the end of the game. I don't know why he wasn't in there at the beginning of the game. Step in there, make some plays. Made a was it the third or fourth down where he he had a nice catch and Pop Douglas. He had some big plays in there. I, I didn't see how they could overturn that one call. I, I know it kind of looked like the ball was out a little yeah. bit, but I, don't, I think I didn't think it was clear. But there were some bad penalties at the end of that game too. The, the offsides, I think they, what they call that on. Mac Wilson, oh, Mac Wilson. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we got better field position in that situation. They were starting to move the ball. If Juju can catch that and find a way to, so you never know what could happen. They, they've been a lot of these games. Just can't, <laughs> just can't figure yeah. out how to close things out aside from the Buffalo game. Yeah, and my suggestion is next time you play Forbes, put Kayshawn Booty in the game. <laughs> yeah. Next up is Jason Goff from the Full Go Podcast. The Bears, it was a tough one to the Saints, but hey, they uh, they did cover, so there's at least that. All right, let's hear from Jason on that. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome on in to the local lingo. Shout out to all of our FanDuel TV folks. How y'all feeling out there? This is the Full Go with Jason Golf, brought to you by The Ring. And of course, Spotify is the gang. We do this thing every Sunday, every Tuesday, and every Thursday. Or sometimes we do it when there's an emergency pod that is needed. I think this week uh, will be one that we will be talking about on some baseball things. But... This is Sunday, and Sunday is for the football, and the football was here in our face. Let me tell y'all something right now. Everybody, I, I went and picked up some food on the south side. Shout out to Griffin of Flavors. Delicious Belizean food, right? I went and picked up some food after the game today, and my man greets me at the door. I always say what's up to he meets me at the door. He says, you know what, Jay? I can't wait to hear the pod tonight. I can't wait to hear you talk about what's going to happen between Justin Fields and Tyson Bajan. And all I could do is shake my head because at that point, I really didn't have much to say. It, it was all right there for you. And boy, I just want to make sure that everybody understands one thing going into this. Okay. You know, in basketball, when you bring guys off the bench, the one thing they can't do, you, you ask them to to, you know, cut into a lead for another team or increase on a lead that you have of your own, right? The one thing you can't do is let that lead increase by the other team or mess around and not have the firepower to extend the lead. In pitching, in baseball, right? You, you throw somebody in there out of the bullpen. The one thing that you ask out of the bullpen for them not to do is what? Walk people. Because when you walk people, it leads to scoring runs. I don't know why it is so hard for everyone to understand the one thing that you can't have a backup quarterback doing. I don't care if they are young. I don't care if they are old. One thing you can't have a backup quarterback doing is turning the football over. Tyson Bajan now has six turnovers in the three games that he has started. Okay. 
And 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 all I have to say is the dude has been put in a bad spot. I said this last week, and people jumped on it. What, what bad spot are you talking about? He's running the offense as well as Justin Fields ever could run the offense. Well, you know what I blame that on? I blame that on uh, people hating excellence these days. People thinking that everything is for every man or every person or every everybody can achieve at the highest levels. No, no, no. The achievement in this entire story from day one. From day one, the achievement of this entire story about a Division II undrafted quarterback making an NFL roster was the fact that he made an NFL roster. And over the course of the last three weeks, the the Justin Fields conundrum, along with the Luke Getze uh, confusion that you may have as a fan in terms of, is this guy good at his job? Because I see glimpses where he might be decent. For instance, the first half of this game, right? We've seen enough of Luke Getze inconsistently be consistent enough at calling plays, right? Where it's like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, look at, look at the Raiders game. And that's what this all stems from. We have been so clouded as a fandom when it comes to the most important position in all of sports that once we get a little nip, right, once we get a little taste, a little something that looks like it could be moving, uh, a game manager who all of a sudden doesn't know how to manage a game, which is all you ask a backup quarterback to be, right? Tyson Bajan has moved like a dude who was ready for this moment, but guess what? The filters that are in place, and that's why I get back to hating excellence. The filters that are in place, everybody wants to find the the, the dude that nobody drafted or the 199th pick in the draft, right? Or the Tom Brady, the next one, the, the next Brock Purdy, until you see why guys get filtered out of the process. There are reasons why dudes don't become starting NFL quarterback prospects, not even starters, but I'm talking about prospects. There's a filtration process that happens from the moment they start playing Pop Warner football and 707 football and high school football and college football. And guess guess who got through all those filters, all those filters, the same guy that a lot of Bears fans right now don't think is a starting quarterback in Justin Fields. So you mean to tell me? The guy that got through all of those filters, whether it be high school, you know, player of the year, whether it be college transferring to Ohio State and becoming what he did in the Big Ten, right? Whether we whether he, we see him go up against Alabama or Clemson on the biggest stages so we could throw away the misnomer that maybe, just maybe, the Big Ten competition was all he was excelling against. He got through all of those filters and then he landed on our shores here in the city of Chicago and we went crazy, rightfully so, because we haven't had one of these. The guy that got through all those filters in year two and a half now is still being questioned. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I'm not saying that you don't have the ammo. I'm not saying that you don't have the evidence to. But what I'm saying is if that guy who's made it through all those filters gets to this point and looks like this. Why are you surprised when a person who couldn't make it through all those filters gets to this point and can't do the same? It's not rocket science, man. And the people like we have gotten so, um, we've gotten so interested in the debate and so interested in the arguments that sometimes we don't zoom out and just take a look at 
It is what it is. Tyson Bajan is a terrific story, a terrific character. Love the fact that he addresses the podium and he addresses the media in a way that is both enlightening and encouraging for his future. But when it comes to being out there on the field, the one thing that a backup quarterback can't do is give the football to the other team. The Bears played in their territory both offense and defense for the entire second half until the fourth quarter. The first half of that football game, and let me say this too, the New Orleans Saints are not a good football team. You get five turnovers and eight penalties from the Chicago Bears, and you only win by one score with a rookie, undrafted Division II backup quarterback in as the starter. You, you listen, that thing, for, for some of the names that are on that team, that, that is some mid. If I ain't never seen mid before, that is all sticks, all stems, all seeds. I'm telling you now, that Saints thing ain't but for us to watch this and for us as Bears fans to, to get a little glimpse of something, you know what it is? It's like the, it's like the guy or girl that's really close to you that is, they, they can't stop getting into bad relationships and all of a sudden somebody comes along that holds a door open for them or gives them a compliment. And it's like, look at this. The rest of the league is sitting there like, hey, man, that's what they're supposed to do. <laughs> that, that, they're supposed to be able to do that. Meanwhile, we get a quarterback that can walk and chew gum at the same time. His dad is a 28-time arm wrestling world champion. And we're like, oh, story's printed and pressed for me. I am good with it. Let's roll. And then we find out that he's got some issues when it comes to anticipation. He's got some issues when it comes to arm strength. And you saw that over the course of the entire New Orleans Saints game. Now, DJ Moore didn't have his best game, right? The fumble, it was, it was a, a missed block. The same thing that we chastised Chase Claypool for in week two. He, he fell short of and got our guy, Bayless Jones, blown up, right? There were guys who were making uh, it harder for Tyson Abajan around him. They found Darnell Mooney once again, right? Finally, Darnell Mooney showed up, and then in the second half, he didn't get the football. Deontay Foreman looks like he's the best running back on the team, but all I am all I am detailing for you is the plays that aren't made around Tyson Bajan are a lot more glaring than the plays that aren't made around Justin Fields because he made it through all the filters. This dude has played above and beyond a lot of the talent around him. And when you throw a guy in there who hasn't made it through those filters but has beat out P.J. Walker and has become a darling of the coaching staff, then damn right he's going to get a chance. But when he gets a chance and you get tape on him and arm strength and some of these things are put to the test, you have what you have. There's no way in hell you can win a football game with five turnovers. It's damn near impossible. The Saints played a horrible football game and still won it because the Bears were undisciplined. They weren't secure with the football, and they had way too many penalties for a team that struggles. The Montez Sweat introduction, I'm all for it. I like it. He looks different than anybody on the defensive line. I'm looking forward to him with more than three practices under his belt. All right, now it's time for John Jastrzemski from New York, New York. The Giants season has fallen apart. He will talk about that loss to the Raiders. And of course, look ahead to the Monday night matchup between the Jets and the Chargers. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
To the local angle right here on FanDuel TV. I'm John Zustremski, the host of New York, New York, where I think it's fair to say what a difference a year makes for Daniel Jones and Brian Dable and the New York Giants. Just think about where the Giants were just 11 months ago. In January of 2023, Daniel Jones leading a giant team to a playoff win on the road against the Minnesota Vikings. Everything felt right. Everything felt fresh and re-energized from a giant perspective with how that all took shape and how it all played out. Since Daniel Jones signed his extension in mid-March, it has been nothing short of a nightmare for him. And it has been nothing short of a nightmare for the New York Giants. And on Sunday against the Vegas Raiders, it was supposed to be about Daniel Jones coming back off the neck injury. Daniel Jones getting back on the field, not only to try to spark a two and six football team, but it was going to be about Daniel Jones kind of playing the Giants out of the conversation of being one of the worst teams in the league playing themselves out of the mix of quarterbacks who are going to be available in April's draft. That's what Daniel Jones had in front of him with the Raiders and the Commanders and the Patriots and the Packers and a whole lot of subpar teams on the schedule. Well, that all went out the window, not only with the Raiders and Antonio Pierce and a coach who got fired in Josh McDaniels, quarterback got benched in Jimmy Garoppolo, a team that hadn't scored 20-plus points in the first half of the game all year, torching the defense. I mean, that's bad enough. But then you got to see Daniel Jones on consecutive plays, on non-contact type plays. Go down. You hear in the Fox broadcast, basically, there was a buckle within the knee. Now everybody is reporting it. And listen, it's probably the worst-kept secret now. There's a very good chance that Daniel Jones blew out his ACL and that Daniel Jones' 2023 season is done. But if you take it a step further, you have to ask the honest question. And it's legitimate and it's valid. Has Daniel Jones played his last game as a member of the New York Giants? You could easily make the argument the answer to that question is going to be yes. Because the Giants are going to stay. Listen, Giants have been a bad team with Daniel Jones. Now, if you're telling me without Tyrod Taylor, without Daniel Jones, it's going to be Tommy Jersey DeVito at quarterback for them for the remainder of this year. It's going to be a disaster. I don't care who's on the schedule for the Giants. They're going to lose a bunch of these games. Are they going to be bad enough to end up with Caleb Williams? Are they going to be bad enough to end up with May out of UNC? We'll see how the season plays out. The problem the Giants are going to run into is that there are a lot of crummy football teams. Carolina is one of them. I'm sure our buddy Jason Goff and the full go is talking about the fact that they have the Carolina pick and they have their own pick to maybe go and get themselves one of these two quarterbacks. 
if you watched Arizona today against the Baltimore Ravens what, two weeks ago, and then you watched Arizona today against Cleveland, they stink. So the Giants are facing still somewhat of an uphill climb to be the number one or the number two pick. That said, they're not going to be a football team that's picking outside the top six. There's no way. And maybe it's a different level of quarterback they're drafting. But you're now at the point with Jones where he can't stay on the field. When he's on the field, there are questions about his play and his performance. And he got the contract. He got what he was earned and what was justified for how he played and delivered a year ago. But it's kind of been more of the same for the giant offense. No big plays. No splash plays. Not a whole lot of offensive production. And now you're set up to go and draft the quarterback and kind of restart that, that salary cap scale for a team that's going nowhere fast. It just is the clean break that works for the Giants. The timing is right for the Giants to go and draft the quarterback. Now, is Daniel Jones on the roster next year? How do they want to kind of spread out his massive cap hit? Do they take the dead cap hit? Did it go with the, the full one next year and say, hey, we don't care. We'll deal with it. Did it wait a year and he's kind of on the team and he's, he's there with whatever quarterback you draft, which would be weird and awkward. And we all know how the situation would end. But I do think today and Sunday, you'll look back on this game against Vegas, a game that was a future giant performance and say, it was the end of the Daniel Jones era. Whether he's back next year or not, it's the end of the Daniel Jones era because I'm going to be stunned if we're sitting here next September and we're not talking about one of these quarterbacks coming into this team out of the first round. If Giants are not taking a quarterback in the first round with Daniel Jones and his injury history and where they are as a franchise, then what is happening for Joe Shane and Brian Davis? This kind of gives them the opportunity that maybe they thought they were going to have a year ago, except for the fact that everybody surprised everybody by the Giants being as successful and being a team that made the playoffs and won a playoff game. But if you put Joe Shane under a lie detector test, when he took that giant job, he's like, yeah, we didn't pick up the fifth-year option for Daniel Jones because guess what? We didn't think Daniel Jones was going to be the quarterback in 2023. So it's weird how that kind of all works out or doesn't work out. I feel sorry for Daniel Jones. He came on our show a bunch last year. He's a good kid. He's a hardworking kid. But his time with the Giants, more than likely, is coming to a close. Now, for the other team in town, the New York Jets have a monstrous Monday night game ahead of them. And let's be honest, the Jets are in a position in the AFC where every game in this conference is so paramount. The next four games, in many ways, going to define where this season goes from a Jet perspective. They are 4-3. and three. They are loving what they're seeing from the defensive side of the ball. But offensively, they're offensive. That's really the best way to look at it. They are offensive. From the quarterback to the inability to execute on third down, the inability to execute in the red zone, they are a tough watch across the board. and. They've pulled a lot of these games out of the hat. They did, if you recall, against the Giants. 
they did against the Philadelphia Eagles, where you look back and you wonder how in the world did they end up winning this football game, but they did. Buffalo, you could say the exact same thing in week number one. So they have been fortunate, yes, but they have been resilient and they have been tough-minded. The next four games for them, all in the conference. Chargers on Monday night, at Vegas on Sunday night, and then two games that will determine where you really stand within the AFC East. At Buffalo the weekend before Thanksgiving, and then a short week at home, Black Friday against the Miami Dolphins, who continue to dominate sub-500 teams and cannot beat teams with a winning record, as we saw Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. So if the Jets could go 2-2 two and two in that four-game stretch and find themselves at 6-5 and five going into the month of December, with the schedule easing up. Now, some of those games in December, maybe not as, not as easy as you thought. Houston, not going to be as easy as you thought. Atlanta, maybe not going to be as easy as you thought. Cleveland, most certainly not going to be as easy as you thought with that defense. So December maybe is not as a given as you would want it to be, but you take six and five with no Rodgers, with the schedule they had to start off this year. If the Jets are six and five going into December, you take it and you run. And you see if this year is going to be different, if they can go and make a push for the postseason. But I do think this Charger game, tough spot for them. I know the Chargers don't know how to win. I know the Chargers are poorly coached. I know Justin Herbert is overrated when it matters the most. That's all true. But they can put up points. And my fear for the Jets in this game is if the Chargers get to 20 plus, can the Jets get there? Because from what I've seen over the last few weeks, my answer to that question would be no. Especially when you throw in the fact that look at the betting line on FanDuel. The Jets, who've been great at home, the Chargers, who on the on the East Coast, they're laying not only three, they're laying three and a half against the Jets. Isn't that line begging you to take the Jets plus the points? I sure think so. And that's why I think Jet fans are going to be disappointed on Monday night. Now, my picks, think about this. I had the Dolphins, I had the Texans, and I had the Cowboys today. I mean, does it get any more cruel than those three games and those three endings? And don't tell me I was on the right side or the wrong side. That's as cruel as it gets. Seeing two and throw a 15-yard duck. Then I got to see Dak Prescott have zero awareness. And then I got to see C.J. Stroud after scoring a touchdown, take a knee. So maybe you Jeff fans are going to like the fact that I'm on the Chargers tonight, three and a half. I don't know. I don't know. We have a new uh, wrinkle here for local angle where you can get involved with the party at 917-382-1151. So if you ever want to get on board, watch the local angle, you want to chime in, you want to get on TV here on FanDuel TV, that's how you do it. What do we got, Stefan? Let's hear him. What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicap for picks for Monday the 6th. Now, it's a Monday night game. You know already my pick. I'm going to go with the New York Jets plus the three and a half over the L.A. Chargers. Hopefully, I can get uh, a little bit better luck there with my play. I had some bad, uh, bad, bad breaks there, but that's what you're going to do. That's what I mean, that's what happens. So, anyway, I'm going to go with the Jets plus the three and a half for the Monday night football game. And we can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. I appreciate your contribution, Jeff Money, but we will be heads up in this particular Monday night game. And I know New York probably throwing tomatoes at me. They're going to be throwing tomatoes at me when they see me at MetLife Stadium on Black Friday. I just don't like the spot for the Jets. And here's my edict to the Jets and Zach Wilson and company. Go against a bad defense and find a way to put up points. They haven't been able to do that. 
execute on third down, score in the red zone, and find a way to put up points. Then maybe the Jets will find a way to shut me up. Until then, we're rolling with the Los Angeles Chargers. And that is how we are going to close out this edition of the Local Angle here on FanDuel TV. This is John Zastrzemski from New York, New York. For all of us, all of the local pods here at The Ringer and a part of the local angle, we sign off on this Monday. Enjoy your day. Be good, everybody.